MHI Industry Leadership Podcast brings together the solutions, providers, and thought leaders of the materials handling industry to talk about trends, technologies, solutions, and best practices to move the industry forward. Christian Dow is the Executive Vice President of Membership and Industry Leadership at MHI. In each episode, Christian will be talking to the leaders and members of MHI's industry groups. Let's join him now. Hey, Frank, thanks for joining us again. What is this, your second episode now? The This is the uh, the exciting uh, uh, sequel <laughs> to, you, to the first. It's not a sequel, but we've yeah. done like 20 something of these now. And, I know. And now you're, uh, you're and now I get to be part of the second team. one where you get to like be active in it. And I think our first uh, test was a success. So you're back. Well, it was good enough to not get me fired, which is how I live most of my life, Christian. So that's right. good. Yeah. So, so what do we got today? I think we have two members of the mobile automation group. Yeah. I'm, I, uh, you know, again, and, and for those who are just kind of tuning in or maybe didn't catch the the most recent episode uh, right behind this one, like I'm joining because I think this stuff is pretty fascinating. I'm not an industry uh, guy. I don't know the industry kind of coming from the outside. Um, but I think so much of what happens in this industry is just absolutely fascinating. And so when you sent me over the stuff about what was today, again, I'm kind of super interested to hear where this goes because we're talking about uh, energizing the mobile automation market. So we're talking things like batteries and mobile automated vehicles and and all the different kinds of variables that play into to making that part of the industry work. Things like the life cycles of batteries, charging integration, all, all those all those things that you can't just throw up a, a Tesla charger in the end of every warehouse and, and hope that that cuts it right. So we have to learn a little bit about that. So I'm kind of excited to get into it. Yeah, so this should be interesting. So yeah. who do we have joining us today? Now, I don't like to say that the heavy hitters have joined us too early, but the heavy hitters have joined us, Christian. That is what has happened. So Harold Vanoss, uh, did I say that right, Harold? It's Vanoss. Vanoss? Okay, yeah. close enough. Sorry, I, your, your way was fancier than my way. Yeah, this uh, panache in the way you said yeah, Vanoss. Very I, nice. I, <laughs> <laughs> I strive for nothing if not fancy, but uh, he's the Senior Director of Global Marketing uh, for Motive Power Global and Enersys. Is that correct? That's correct. That's Wonderful. Right. And we're going to learn a little more about that. We'll ask you here in a second. And then our other guest is Danny Wong, uh, who is an electrical engineering manager for JBT Corporation and uh, has been doing this, uh, well, by the looks of him, since he was like five <laughs> because because he says he's been in this thing for for 19 or 20 some years or something what tell us tell us more about that yeah yeah very 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 close i started about right five but uh <laughs> 19 years in the in the industry and then uh specifically 12 years uh myself um batteries and chargers oh very good very good and and tell us a little, what, what does jbt do uh, JBT, we're automated. Um, we're automated guided vehicles. Uh, we're OEM manufacturer here over in Chalfon, PA. Yeah. So, Frank, automated vehicles. Those are you, you've seen the Amazon commercials, or like it's basically robots in in warehouses that move things around, or in factories that move things around without people being involved. It's pretty. Yeah. Okay. Pretty interesting was, stuff. When so, you said Amazon, I had pictures of my mind in my mind really quickly of Danny. Uh, uh, flying drones through the warehouse. Is that not, is that not it? That's not well, it. These would be the wheeled ones. These are the ones on the ground. Uh, JBT <laughs> may it, someday it. get into the flying ones, but yeah. Oh, I love it. And, and so, uh, Harold, tell us a little bit about Enersys and, and, and your experience. Sure. So Enersys is, is, uh, the largest industrial power supplier in, uh, 
in the world right now. And it's uh, battery and charger systems and, and, and battery management systems, in essence, those systems, right, powering these devices, whether they be automated guided vehicles, whether they be fork trucks. We're also into the reserve power. So telecom, data centers, we do medical, we do military, aerospace and defense. Pretty much, we even do medical batteries. So, so you know, you've got the James Webb Telescope has an Enersys lithium battery in it. So get out of here. We do batteries on a big scale in a lot of different markets, but all industrial stuff you may not okay. actually know, see or interact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so like my phone battery, not so much. Not so much. Not but, so much. You know, the fork truck or the the AGV from Danny's company that's moving the uh, the goods that that uh, a warehouse is getting to you via a truck or an Amazon driver probably has our battery in it right and and or uh the the data center that this call's going through uh is got battery backup probably within our, an Enersys battery in it right so the grid the goes down tower the cell phone tower ah okay here has we go backup battery so then when when ac power gets cut in a storm or something it has a battery backup it's probably an Enersys battery driving that so there's a lot of that sort of stuff all that 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 infrastructure that's out there so that's what we do I'm in the motor power space, so I'm in the batteries that move. That's the space, it. the division right. I'm with. I love That's it. what we're here to talk about today. Quit, rip, quit bragging about everything I mean, that you do. That's not what you do. You do batteries for stuff that moves around the warehouse. That's the exciting stuff. Yeah, and I've been doing this for almost 30 years in one form or another. Oh, well, I'm not going to say that you look like you started when you were five. No, I probably didn't uh, I'm kidding. When Edison I'm kidding. was five, right? No! There so let's dive into some of the questions you know we're here to talk about you know putting batteries putting power you know considerations when powering mm -hmm. mobile automation so mobile automated vehicles um so starting with harold so what are some of the key issues operators or equipment managers should consider when getting ready to specify power systems in their equipment that's a great question christian and you know the, the things we tend to look at and and whether it's automated whether it's manual there's some things you want to be thinking about right so you, you want to be looking at acquisition costs because the different different technologies you choose have a different price but then there's a payback or an roi you want to look at so what is the maintenance of that what do i need to put in to charge it do i want to fast charge it traditionally charge it do i want people involved or not um, so all that stuff needs to get caught costed out or brought up into it maintenance is not insignificant you want to think about that Hey, am I financing it? What does that look like? How long is it going to last? And then when I'm going to charge it, people forget about that whole aspect of it. How many chargers? How fast? Where do I put them? Who's going to run those? So there's some things like that that you want to think about. How well integrated is all of that stuff, the batteries and the chargers and the systems, the management systems, how well integrated is that with the piece of equipment that it's going to run? The warehouse management system that might be over overarching everything there. How does all that factor in? Um, how's it, if you're going to automate, especially, how is that going to work with the humans that are in the facility? Because you know you still got some rolling around. So you know, with 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 automated systems, a lot of it's run by an overall system. So tying all that stuff together is really really important. And then. How important is, you know, how, how how well supported is it? How well integrated can it be? What's the experience of the company that you're going to work with? So those are the things I would just I would just factor in. Danny, so uh, some additional thoughts as far as from the manufacturer's standpoint, what, what are some additional considerations that uh, equipment owners or operators should have? 
Uh, about fast, good, and cheap, right? So from an engineering standpoint, you get to pick two. But unfortunately, right nowadays, you have to, everyone wants all three, fast, good, and cheap, right? So you have costs. And then lead time, basically, uh, you know, due to the global, you know, crisis we have, there's a, you know, there's a, in the high demand of a faster lead time. And then you also have the life, you know, the life of the battery, which is uh, extremely, extremely important. Um, they wanted a better warranty, right? And then we also have support. Uh, all those supports are very difficult to come through when do, when we don't have an integrator as battery integrator and a charger integrator together. We typically have separates, right? We have we have a separate battery integrator and we have separate charger manufacturer. And it's so hard to get these two folks to sit down together, right? And and hold their hands saying, how does battery work? How does the charger work, right? Those are those are very difficult. And then you also have chemistries. Uh, what type of chemistry do they really want? Um, it, it all it all dictates that. Just like how Harrow was saying, runtime, charge time, a major, major, major factors in the industry. Major being asked is, well, how long does this battery run? You know, it doesn't mean the bigger the battery is, is it better, because it's really not. It's how you actually use it efficiently. And then you also have charge time, right? <clears throat> it's how fast you can charge the battery. Everyone wants to charge the battery faster and be done with. But there are sacrifices, right? When you're charging faster, that means your battery, you know, lose the cycle life much quicker. So how do you compensate by that is, you know, all mathematics in there. I, you know, I'm going to go back for a second to something that Harold talked about and talking about how batteries can be tracked in your WMS and integrated to your WMS, which I find to be fascinating because it ties into Danny, what you were talking about being able to, um, you know, to accommodate for charge time and, and uptime and being able to use that piece of equipment. How long does it have to sit on a charger? Is there another unit available and all that? Can you, can you, I mean, this has got to be something that, that is a kind of emerging and developing and getting better. Uh, can you tell me about kind of a little bit about how that is changing over, um, you know, over the, over the more recent history and, and how that's getting better and better, uh, as, as time goes on? Yeah, absolutely. Danny. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. So so right now in our in our in our whole system, you know, we have uh, we keep track of state of charge on the batteries, right? Way back then when we have lead acid days, you know, we have to calculate it. We have a a calculated algorithm for a state of charge. Right now with lithium psi, uh, the BMS puts out that value for us, a little bit more accuracy, uh, you know, in terms of it. So the way how we actually run our systems is uh, is very precise. We have a very low point. We have a very high point. The easiest way to put it, right? You 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 stop charging when you get to the high point, but when you're when you're busy, okay, you continue to work 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 all the way down to your lowest battery level. And if there's no work, you go charge. During the time when there's an order during the charge, you take you accept the order. Uh, you accept the mission. If there's nothing, you charge it up to the highest level uh, in this case and stops. So that's how algorithm truly, truly works. The percentage wise of state of charge is extremely important because it's critical to how how affects the cycle life of the battery. Typically back in the days where lead acid days, you have 50% to 80% of the battery. Now lithium days is you don't want to go high. You actually want to stay in the midpoint of the battery. So 
uh, for example, that 30% of the flood lead acid translates back to a 30% of the lithium. That 30% does not equate to 50 to 80. It actually stays from 30% of midpoint. So it's let's say 15 plus or 15 minus. So you like to stay in the 35 to 65 range for the most optimal life cycle of the battery for lithium side. So, so is that why my, uh, my MacBook refuses oftentimes to charge past 80%? It just kind of sits there and holds like it won't do the whole all the way up or is that, I mean, seriously, like it's like a bad, is that a battery management thing? Yeah, it is. Frank, Frank, that's exactly what it is. And you know, Danny's hitting on a good point is in the older days and it was traditional flooded lead acid. It goes back to what, the technology allowed us to do so 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 measuring and monitoring and controlling the the systems weren't that great and they were super expensive but today you know we can do a lot more of that um lithium certainly has it we have a maintenance-free product at Enersys called thin plate pure lead in addition to our lithium product they both act very similarly but we manage those so we're we're watching that state of charge but you're managing it because all batteries are electrochemical systems, right? So they're they're a little bit of a living beast, if you will. And if you mistreat them, you don't get a lot of life. If you take care of them, according to the rules of electrochemistry, temperature has a factor, how deeply you discharge them, how fast you charge them, what they're made of, the different things. But all those things factor into that that life, and you will see it. Hey, even on your on on your iPhone, for instance, um, it will only bring it to 100% charge once a day. It's just going to pause it off. Um, when you look at, when you put it into, into systems like AGVs and, and even some fork trucks, manually driven, you know, regenerative braking, where, um, if you're bringing a load that the braking and, or bringing a load down from a high thing, a high level, you're going to create energy, dump that back into the battery. And, and, you know, you want to, you want to manage that correctly. So you, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. The reason that it works so well with automated systems is they've already got these big systems, these big computer systems, right? The management system software that's that's tracking all that you integrate the battery and the charging system plug it right into the system say for instance danny's company does okay hey, it's just another input you program it you got to work to integrate it all well together but then it becomes kind of seamless and the operator there is no operator just it, it all happens right that's why danny was right you know having that charger and that battery what what i like to call closed loop where you're factoring all that stuff they work well together tie it into the, the automation, let its system control it all, you, you can program out some of the failure modes. That is bizarre. Okay, first of all, Christian, uh, can you tell that Harold's a sales guy? Because <laughs> listen to him saying like, oh, it's just as easy as you just plug it in and click a couple of buttons and everything integrates, right? <laughs> and you, can you tell Dan's a, a, an engineer because he's not so optimistic about that, right? <laughs> no, no, just kidding. But uh, a couple of questions. One, one is, uh, first of all, what did... That is an, a ridiculous amount of data that's got to be just pouring through there all the time. It does kind of sound like you're taking all the best things that we've learned about batteries over mobile batteries over however many years, you know, like it sounds like you've got like the Prius, you know, kind of the hybrid, you know, breaking and it charges kind of thing going on. And then you got the, you know, the fast charge, slow charge, you know, battery management stuff going on. How, how, so it's kind of interesting that you've got all these things that are playing in all the time. And I'm sure there's constant innovation and, and, and updating and, and stuff like that. But you, you mentioned lead acid and all how many how much of what you do is focused on dealing with the problems of that versus you know putting in new and, and better lithium 
uh, you know, systems and stuff like that. Is there still a lot of that old stuff out there that you're dealing with? So I can answer first and then maybe Danny can comment, but you know, flooded, so lead acid breaks into a couple of rooms. You got flooded lead acid, which is the traditional sort of product that's been around for 135 years, right? Thin plate pure lead is also a lead acid product, but it's sealed. It's lithium like it has a BMS. It has no maintenance. Um, so it's more akin to lithium. Um, we're seeing the market as a whole driving towards what I call maintenance-free. I don't want to water. I don't want to have to, to do some of the maintenance required with, with a traditional flooded lead-acid battery. But like all new technologies, it takes time. You know, there's these well, there's adoption curves, if you were to look at, at uh, product lifecycle management, um, where you've got early adopters, they jump onto a new technology, and then, you know, you got the laggards at the end, which are, oh, I'll get to it when I get to it. Um, we're still early. In, in some of these newer technologies. And, and that's, you'll see that slowly trend out. New stuff's more expensive. There's no question, but, but you pay for it in other ways. Um, mm-hmm. I think in the automated world, the maintenance free stuff is a no brainer because you don't want to have people doing stuff. So um, yeah, there's a lot of the flooded technology out there still, but you're seeing a rapid move to the, to the new stuff. Yeah, yeah, we're seeing the same thing too as well. Um, <clears throat> it's more of a cultural shock to the customers, right? For the end users on and, and the learning and the understanding of transitioning from flood lead acid to lithium. So if you think about it from the AGV perspective side, um, using a flood lead acid, then that means just like how Harry, you know, how Harrow's saying, you have to water it, you have to equalize it simply by having the battery. Um, going to charge and then having each week you have to maintain it. That means going through an equalization cycle. The equalization cycle takes about eight hours alone and then plus another four hours right, of cool down you know, on top of that. So, so if you're a plant manager, you're sitting there, I was like, why is my truck just sitting there not doing anything? It's not productive at all, right? So, and on top of that, if you put a flood lead acid battery to an AGV, that's what you're going to be ending up doing. You, we, 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 can, we can equalize it automatically, but it's going to be sitting there as a waste of time, all right? It's called dead time. In this case, versus a lithium, you don't, there, there's, there's no gassing involved. There, it, it is a fast, it's, a, it's actually a fast charge. And at the same time, it doesn't require equalization. And that's, and that's a huge, huge plus. So let's dive into, you know, kind of some of these, some of the things that you've touched on, Danny, have been around the difference between automated and manual equipment and and how those relate to, and I think you were kind of touching on that point just, just now as well, but how do, you know, how does the battery life cycle, how does, you know, how does it differ in a manual fork truck when it's a, when it's a lithium powered versus a, uh, an automated you know, a mobile automation vehicle. Absolutely. It seems like uh, I'm explaining this all over again, right? Because I just have uh, somebody that came in. I just get went through a one-on-one course with them for two hours. But yes, it, it differs a lot because from an operator's standpoint, they work eight hours, right? So let's, let's, let's say you have a battery. Let's say you have 100%. By the end of the day, they're going to be going back to the station and charging it, okay? It charges up for for... For an automated forklift, it works very differently because anytime when we have the opportunity, we go charge. The cycle life of this from an operator perspective, using is, is 
this is what we call it the death of discharge life cycle to death of discharge okay it's a percentage we use we use let's say flood lead acid okay i'm going to use flood lead acid as example 625 amp hour battery a 30 percent of it okay versus a battery that you plug in and charge you walk away you gain you, you get maybe 2000 cycles you know out of a battery right for that 80 percent because they have to charge it one time in AGV, you can charge it one time at a 1%, and you can charge it a one time at 80%. The math for the 80% and 80% is still the same, but the math is not linear. It's highly, highly exponential. The way how that works is that is that you charge at a depth of discharge of, let's say, you choose the 30% you know, window. That 30% broken down to an AGV side from a manual and an automatic, is that that one percent could equ equate to to millions of cycles? So it does not is not a linear graph. It's a very high exponential graph, and that's where the warranty comes into play. Is that there's a there's a huge misunderstanding of when an operator plugs in at eight hours versus AGV plugging at one hour, ch charging at one hour, charging at one hour, charging at another hour. It, it's it's very very different. The math is 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 significantly uh, 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 toward the life cycle of the battery when you charge minimal, just like uh, Frank was actually saying. For example, Frank, you 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 touch up on the on the iPhone, and Harold also you know mentioned this. Your iPhone, if if you think about it, overnight you charge your phone, you charge is charging at one hundred percent. You wake up at a one hundred percent. Is that a good thing to be charging your phone at one hundred percent, or is that a gimmick to ask you go buy another new phone next year because your battery is going to be be dead, right? But what happened if you can control that phone and say, I don't want to charge it at 100% the entire day. I just want to charge it between this range so that my life cycle can be, be, you know, larger, right? So I can, I can, I can have my iPhone for many more years. But because you're charging it high, you're actually uh, damaging, you know, the battery when you go up past 80%. So that's why you want to stay in the midpoint. So this horrible obsession that I have with keeping it at 100% is bad. Is that, is that what you're telling me? That's what you're telling me. <laughs> Absolutely. It's bad. It doesn't like low. It doesn't like high. Yeah. I, think, like I think Danny is telling us that 50% is the new 100%. 50% is the ideal where to hey. maximize of the life. So if you plug I it in Danny when you get go... below 50% and get it to 65, then you're good. And then that's go. it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That would be optimal. So if 50% to to algorithm to do so. <laughs> I love that. If 50% is the new 100% though, what I need Danny to do is go back in time to my high school teachers and tell them that, that my 50% is the new 100% and give me all A's. But your back in time was a different <laughs> chemistry, right? Oh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is the misconceptions, right? You get a lot of misconceptions that all batteries are the same and they're not, you know, there's another one. Hey, you know, Danny's talking lithium and, and, and lithium, Okay, there's multiple chemistries in lithium. And, and like I said, we offer a thin plate pure lead, a maintenance-free product, in addition to lithium. There's no one size fits all. The, the charging patterns is one that I really like to talk about if, if you look at it. Um, oh, I, I got manual trucks. I'll just schedule my charging patterns around that. You don't have to. Those were built around people. They want their 15-minute break midday. They want the half hour for lunch. And they want a 15-minute break mid-afternoon. And then we, we charge again at shift change. Or we do the you know the traditional 888, a charge for eight, cool for eight, and then sit on a rack for eight and rotate batteries. You don't need to do that with the AGV world. Like he said, 
I got time built in my schedule. Go ahead and blast it on the charger. Move on. It totally changes what you can do. And, and the math gets different. It, it, that's where, where I think it's really important to have some tools to help you figure that out, too, when you're sizing this stuff. Because the other thing I'll look at is what kind of demand are you going to place on the battery? If, if you know, Danny's AGV is lifting feathers, mm. okay, that's not so bad. If Danny's AGV is lifting bricks and I'm taking them up really high, I'm going to drain that battery pretty quick. So the application and the use all gets factored in. You got to use... We have a saw. Yeah, Frank, totally right. It gives you a headache. Yeah. But you got to factor it if you want to get the right ROI and you want to actually get more. You want more importantly, you want to get your customer happy. In other words, that end user, uh, the facility that's buying this stuff, they don't want to think about that. They just want the stuff to work. I just want to move stuff, make stuff. And using software and systems to help you having the right partner to, to do that with is really important. Because the math gets complicated, but the systems, there's tools out there that make it not so bad. Yeah, is there any other misconceptions that uh, that you want to add in, Harold? No, uh, you know, this list of them. Always on on my mind, and Danny could probably come in. Is you know, when when you automate, you can get rid of everything. So and and, and you don't have to touch anything, and that's not true, right? Because mm-hmm. there's different parts that are going to need impact and help. Hot shoes are always one. Um, I've I talked about the selection of the product, right? It's assuming that, you know, I need lithium for everything is not necessarily true. There's other other technologies, which type of lithium, what size the battery you need, because, because you know, you can get a smaller battery if you charge it more regularly. So there's some things to think about like that. And again, with relying on people to do it, we're not always so reliable as humans, but programmed in with an AGV, that make sure it happens. So, you know what, you're going to program a break in every 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes, whatever Danny decides, and that'll help keep that battery topped up. So those things are, are good. I don't know. Those are the ones, Danny, what do you so, have? So, so Harold, uh, we have, we have to go back here one second because I, I picture Frank thinking about hot shoes as being walking on pavement in the middle of summer in Phoenix. <laughs> or, or, or he's just got a really nice shoe collection that looks right. really good. Dude, I know those I, are some hot shoes. shoes. <laughs> so a hot shoe is a charger, right? Yeah. The yeah. Physical connections, right? Between two, two, two metal pieces that are spring loaded. So when the, when the, when the AGV with the automated vehicle wants to charge you got to make a connection so it's usually physical and yeah you know, i was going to ask so it's not like together. a it's not like plugging it into a wall this would be just like it, it's touching yeah so you, you could like copper. drive over the charger and park on it kind of a thing right. they're, they're copper they come together the, the electricity passes the current passes it. through it and charges the battery and there's yeah. other types, right? There's wireless chargers that do more of an inductive kind of like have a, a couple inches yeah, or so between. Yeah, and, that's the new thing. Oh, and then right. there are physically ones that you plug in as well, or you know, so so those are all those are like three different styles. The two, the the wireless and the the hot shoe would be a little like the least amount of uh, really human inter. That's what I was, right? Yeah. So then you could really, I mean, I guess you could program these these machines, Danny would be like, okay, at the, whatever the 15 minute marker or something, it's going to drive itself after doing some work, it's going to drive itself over and just sit on the charger for a second and then keep going. Why don't we just put chargers all through the whole floor? Eventually, well, because I think it would, we get there. 
<laughs> it's a lot of power because <laughs> that's a really dumb idea oh okay cool i guess that's a good, good idea. no it's a it's, it's a good idea i mean and you know we just launched our wireless charger and, and matter of fact at promat we worked with jbt we had one in one of their agvs and our wireless charger working together in our booth charging the lithium battery and it was like kids at christmas people were excited about it it was super cool and and that's exactly right because you're replacing what was, and Danny, correct me if I'm wrong here, what was the predominant method, which was this this hot shoe, this this, this right. two plates going together, and they wear over time, and they right. get dirty over time, and they can become inefficient. Oh, yeah. But a wireless charger, it, it's like a, like an electric toothbrush, like an inductive cookware. These, you know, you get them about this close. Non-contact, no moving parts, typically not a lot of really any kind of wear or tear on them, right? So eventually this, this goes to Danny, this goes to, uh, there's wires in the floor that tell this thing where to drive, charges it the whole time. And then you can program it on the fly while it's rolling, doing its thing through Bluetooth and whatever. And I mean, is this where we're, where we're going? Yes, I would, I would definitely say so. Right. Going back in the old days, we, we, we came a long way, right? Let's go back to the lead acid days where you have one battery on the AGV, let's say. You you then you you then want to charge it directly and equalize it directly at the spot, wasting time. Then we took a step forward by integrating rack solutions for additional battery so that we can even be faster than that. That means rather than 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 wasting the eight hours and four hours of cool down, right? Then we, we literally charge the battery on the rack, let it do it, swap the battery out. So our AGV actually, go. we, we have two we have two AGV. One AGV is working. One AGV is at the station where the battery's you know, area is. We pick up, we, we, when it's low, we pick up the battery at, at the racks, and then we drop it into the AGV so that we swap and ready to go. So that's one way. Then later on, we as we switch to the lithium side, right, we even advance even more further. As we get to the lithium, it gets high power, right? The the lead acid days is only charging at 0.4 C rate. And C rate, to you, Frank, and I know you said so there's these acronyms here. The C rate is basically a charge rate, right? Each one of these chemistries has a specific charge rate. Lead acid days, opportunity around 0.4, you know, at the very most. So if you size a battery that is 100 amps, okay, 0.4 is your maximum charge output, your charge current that you can accept, okay? So in this case, lithium is a 1C, is a fast one, it's one-to-one. So it's, it's, it's literally one-to-one. So that's how fast it is. But by, by, by going to lithium, everything goes up in charge power. So guess what? Now the contacts having wear and tear, having, having minimal maintenance, right? Because there could be a lagging of maintenance that damage these contactors. Then you have arc flash, you know, issues. And that's where we want to try to avoid is having these issues in the future. Because when lithium comes in play, when you have arc flash, it doesn't, it's not going to be pretty. So we want to try to get into to a wireless side where uh, there's none of this contact, you know, involved. So even uh, dirtiness, you know, on the floor, there's no cleaning, there's no copper involved. And, you know, it just within a matter of an inch of gap and no charge. Bananas. So Christian, my question now is, because this sounds all wonderful on paper, right? But is 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 one safer than another? Like, do do we know anything about that? About the safety of any of that stuff? Uh, let me let me answer this, Frank. For safety wise, right? There's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of 
myth on this. Oh, what type of you know chemistries are safe, right? I mean, because you said something about an arc flash, and that I don't know what that is, but it sounds bad. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> so <laughs> any battery is very potent, you know, regardless one way or another. Okay. Um, for example, for lithium, right? So there's there there are only a few chemistries out there, I would say, that are powerhouse sectors. You have NCA, LFP, NMCs, LTO, and each one of these. NCAs are nickel, cobalt, aluminum. LFPs are nickel, uh, uh, lithium ion phosphates. And then you have NMC, which is a nickel, uh, manganese, cobalt. And you have LTO, the lithium titanate oxide. Every one of those has a high, really high charge rate. Um, when, 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 when you charge this high, when you are actually, let's say the operator, they didn't shut off the charger and just drive the vehicle away. You're going to see arc, okay? And that's bad because because now you're damaging the shoes, right? But for wireless side, it's a little bit different. Wireless side, you can actually drive away without any problem. It's not going to arc. It's not going to damage anything. So it, it, it's, it's, it's in there. It's meant for, uh, uh, you know, for users to pull away uh, safely uh, versus how how you are actually on the hot side on the on 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 two coppers and then you're going to be damaging the shoes at some point in time you know it's and, all that, and all that in that you can even get arcing in a, a, a traditional flooded lead acid battery with yep. two with a, with manual connections right if if the charger is actively charging the battery and someone disconnects it via automated guided vehicle or human taking it apart you'll arc right it's the question of how much current is passing through the wires at that time determines how big the arc flash will be. So that's what's nice about wireless is it eliminates all that. So regardless of the technology, you can have the issue. The wireless eliminates it all. Yeah, going back to the safety aspect of things, I mean, you think about it. I mean, there's a lot of hype on saying, okay, LFPs is very safe. There's specific cell types that are very safe, right, in terms of chemistry. Is it really safe? No, nothing is safe if you do everything incorrectly, right? You think about a pouch, a battery is only one pack of cell. You're talking about multi-pack, a big ginormous battery there, right? At, at, with how many cells over there? Nothing is going to be safe when you when things are done done incorrectly, engineered incorrectly. So we take safety very very heavily. Is is going to be our it is our first priority, you know, when we integrate specifically to lithium. Yeah, I, I would echo that is that, you know, hey, water is safe when you're drinking it in a cup, but you can drown in it. Right. So, <laughs> you know, there is a lot of a lot of um, misconception about one chemistry being safer than the other. Uh, it all comes down to the design, the construction, the quality, uh, the integration, all of that, regardless of what technology you pick. <laughs> if you want to miss if you want to abuse it, it gets abused. If it's poorly designed and poorly implemented, it's not safe. So you it's really important to consider that in. So again, being a manufacturer that makes flooded lead acid, thin plate, pure lead and lithium, we take safety and chargers, right? We make them all to work together. We take that very seriously. When I look at a wireless charger solution, what we're doing is removing opportunities to have unsafe events happen. It's that it's that sort of stuff. So with with an, with an AGV, you know, you, you're one step closer because I'm kind of automating out humans. And now, um, when I put wireless charging in the system, where 
designing in an even safer feature because I don't have these mechanical shoes that over time can wear and or if they're not maintained, uh, kept clean, I can have problems. So that's another feature that goes away. The integration aspect shouldn't be overlooked either because making sure these things, you know, when you get your charger and your battery working together, again, could be simply pure lead, could be, it could be lithium. I get the same experience, uh, but I've integrated it. And then you tie it into how the AGV is going to charge it to help manage the state of charge. Boy, it, it starts looking pretty good. So Harold, when it comes to, you know, power systems and, and if you're considering going from, from one technology to another, or, or let's go back and, you know, going from internal combustion, which has to eventually just go away altogether. Right. Yep. Um, and, and going to a, a battery powered solution, what are some of the considerations? What would you, what would the, be the advice that you would give to someone who's planning to automate these? Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a couple that I would absolutely, and you can argue whether they're one or two, because they both could be one. First off, you know, don't do it in the blind. There's too many things to consider. Use some sort of sizing programs. We, we, we have on our sales teams, I'll use them, but it allows you to input things such as uh, the application, the power demands, what do you think you need out of it? Because, you know, one of the one of the things we'll see is people will run to lithium all the time. I've got to have it. Well, okay, it's more expensive than, than for instance, simply if you're lead. You can get the same experience, spend less money and, and charge it, charge it correctly, but have a battery that works for you. But but go through the sizing models. Don't don't do it back of the envelope. Make sure you're doing that. And then pick the right integrator. Pick someone that has experience in doing this, that's working with the AGV OEMs with someone like Danny, because, you know, Danny said it early on, there's a lot of stuff to factor in here and integrating these things and making sure all the pieces are smoothed together and, and you know, having that thought through. So work with a company that's working with an AGV company so that you're really working together chargers and batteries seamlessly integrated someone that's got experience and know what they're doing they can offer you enough um options it's not just a one-trick pony enough options that can that can help really fit what you need but don't do it in the blind don't do it on don't do it on opinion have data and facts to back it up and then really make sure you're integrated danny any additional thoughts yeah i would support what harold just said i mean having cut the having the customer to drive some, some time of this, they're not the experts in this, right? And we, we, we are the experts and we should be making all these recommendations, not something that that's out of the blue that, that the customer just wants and is nice to have. And we, we take these evaluations, you know, very, very serious, seriously on the engineering side, adding additional safety, you know, doesn't hurt every, anything. So from a battery, you know, connection to a charger connection, Previously, the battery, back in the day, a battery is dumb, a charger is smart. Nowadays, the battery is smart, the charger is dumb, right? But but we want to make sure that not only do we have a, 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 a smart battery, we also want to have a smart charger, but guess who's in the middle? The AGV is in the middle. So we also have to be smart enough to monitor both things. So we have to take all precautions in terms of safety, such as, what happened if the battery, you know, or actually say, what happened if the charger doesn't stop? Well, I would expect the battery, you know, uh, you know, to stop. Uh, what happened if the AGV doesn't stop? Well, we have to make sure both batteries and chargers have to stop. So those are the kind of things that we 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 take things very 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 seriously. 
PMS systems, battery management systems are very important. And again, making sure they're tied into the charging system. Like Danny said, you know, especially in the world of lithium, they contain a lot of energy. You want to make sure you have that controlled. We've all seen the, uh, you know, lithium fires all over. And, and, and you've got cities and states now looking at regulations saying they need to be tied together. They need to be UL and, and rated. Um, so making sure that that is really factored in that your BMS is really well designed and, and tied in with the, with the, with the AGV system, with the mobile automated equipment and, and the chargers are tied into it. Like those are the factors you got to consider, you know, flooded lead acid back in the day, you know, it's maintenance, not as smart, but it didn't, you know, the risks were different. It didn't didn't blow up. Right. (laughs) You know, it's funny. Uh, so I guess what we need to do, Christian, is we need to get these guys connected with those guys that were on a few weeks ago that had the nitrogen or whatever, and you can't have fire, right? Isn't that a thing? That's a thing, right? Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, the fire safety discussion yeah. that we had. Yeah. yeah. So there's Absolutely. no hope. There's no oxygen in there. You can't have a fire. Everything will be fine. So <laughs> okay, that's well, not. How I don't know if that's actually true. <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> you got some people in there, and they need oxygen. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so a lot of takeaways today, a lot of things that I learned and didn't even think about, you know, obviously, uh, you know, just how intelligent systems are becoming the safety uh, factors to consider the the now the visibility that you can have with your batteries, you know, and, and Danny, you talked about what the, the both of you actually talked about what the integration of of the the planning that goes in making sure that you're working with the right partners so that you, you have the expectations of what it's going to actually work like and you size it right and you have the you know because the, the last thing you want to do is is you know put in a system that that your your robot charges every few minutes and and you don't have the system for the majority of the day you want to size it right so that it's able to charge you have the redundancy in there you have the visibility to when it's available so it can hit, hit your peak times there's a lot of things to unpack here uh christian cool. you're spot on you're spot you know and you yes. think about in the last 10 years where the industry has come and i mean 10 years it's not been that long maintenance three technologies multiple types Battery management systems that are that are that are controlling this so that our batteries work better. Char- wireless charging systems that integrate in with batteries that integrate in with trucks, automated systems so that we can remove the human factor. Holy moly, it's a lot, and and just the intelligence behind it, and it's done fairly affordably, you know, relative to ten years ago. It's crazy. It's it's really exciting and really optimistic. Frank, did you learn anything today? Holy cow! <laughs> well, first of all, I. While we're while we're sitting here on the podcast, I unplug my phone because I feel like a jerk for sure. I keep that thing at a hundred, so I won't do that anymore. Um, but uh, no, I learned a ton, and you know, one of the things that I think was a, you know, Danny, I think you said it, uh, the whole like get an expert to help you, bro. Like if you're a, a warehouse, was that dumb? Chris, he's laughing at me now, right? But, but I'm telling you, like you're you're a guy in a warehouse and you're thinking, oh yeah, yeah, I know what I need, I know what I need. I'm telling you. Uh, just sitting here for you know one not even an hour listening to what you guys are talking about the amount of complexity and the amount of variables that have to be factored in when you're thinking of anything like this is it's far beyond far yeah. beyond my ability to even begin right it doesn't matter how smart i think i am at business or how smart i think i am at you know warehousing or whatever like this is this is serious stuff well and i think i think the whole point though is that 
Yeah, it's complex in designing it and complex to, you know, there's a lot of things to think about and you want to make sure you consider them. But the owning and operating of a good system becomes very simple yeah, because okay, it's fully point. integrated into your WMS, because there's a good w, uh, battery management system that manages all of these things internally. And then uh, and then you're taking away the maintenance aspect and the human factor of having to water batteries or having to do all these uh, individual maintenance things or clean chargers or you know whatever it might mm-hmm. be that you're relying on somebody to do. And then you're eliminating also the safety factor of of handling things that that maybe don't need to be handled anymore, or maintaining things, or or uh, you know that 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 could potentially be a hazard, whether it be you know a, a physical hazard, a fire hazard, or whatever. So, but and that's the whole point is find the right partners, do the right work up front, so that when you get a system, it's the right system and it becomes very simple for you to use, and it meets your expectations. You know, going in, when you have that system, what it's going to do and where, you know, how it's going to operate. And it's not just sitting on a charger when when work needs to be done. You know that it's going to be able to do the work you need to do through the day. So Exactly right. It's like painting. All the work's in the prep. Yeah. <laughs> Actually putting the paint on the walls. But, uh, easy peasy. Yeah. Easy peasy. Yeah. If yeah. you didn't do the prep work up, you're back in a year redoing it. And that, and that mm. Christian, that's a great, great way to close it is this is about putting the right steps up front. And if you do, it's a heck of a lot easier and less expensive down the road. So before we go, I'd like to just kind of point everybody to a couple of resources. Uh, so certainly this the the group that, that Danny and Harold belong to is the Mobile Automation Group. It's part of MHI. And you can find out more at mhi.org slash MAG. And then the other thing that we have is the warehouse automation blog and the mobile automation group produces a lot of this thought leadership that goes into the blog site. You can go to uh, warehouseautomation.org to find out more about that blog. Uh, I want to thank both of you for joining us and and Frank for the uh, the color today and 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 the wow factor. And you know we'll uh, we'll look forward to continuing on these discussions as we move forward. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. Fun time. Thank you for joining the MHI Industry Leadership Podcast. Join us next time to learn more about the trends, technologies, solutions, and best practices that are moving the industry forward.